Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm Edward Bergen, global food and drink analyst, an all-round foodie, and I'm a massive hummus fanatic. Um, And as always, I like to mention the hummus, but actually maybe it's more relevant today than usual as it qualifies as one of my vices, which might give you a clue as to what today's topic is going to be about. Um, Give me some freshly baked warm pita and some hummus with a bit of premium olive oil and I am one happy boy. And that's today's topic. Um, So there are many things that we human beings do, whether it's eating, drinking, smoking, taking things, playing games of some sort that maybe the governments or the world or my parents might say are bad for us. Um, And, you know, some of those categories like alcohol, chocolate, gambling, violent gaming, um, we might call these vices. So I thought what we'd do is we'd discuss are these things bad or are they good um, or somewhere in between? And I've brought the best experts together from Mintel to do it who talk about these categories. So do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, I'm bad boy John Polking. I am uh, a gaming analyst here in the U.S., so I primarily focus on video games, but I also do some work in the leisure space, primarily uh, for the relevance of this podcast in gambling. And I'm Marcia Mogolanski. I'm the director of Insight for Mintel Food and Drink. I am not a bad girl, but I love chocolate. So um, that's really where I spend my time in the sweet categories of Mintel Food and Drink. And I am Johnny Forsyth, and uh, I've been a Mintel, a Mintel veteran now. I've been here for 14 years, and the majority of that I've spent analyzing uh, alcohol. And Ed, I think there there might be a, a sideline in alcoholic hummus. Maybe we, we should discuss that offline. Well, um, they tried sweet hummus, and it was yeah, not a fan. Funnily enough, I've also looked at coffee, which you know many people might not consider a vice, but it is um, the, the biggest legal psychoactive drug. And uh, I've even toyed with with looking at CBD as well, and, and, and answered a few client queries on that. So hopefully, I'm quite well qualified for the, this conversation. Well, we're covering quite a few topics. Uh, I actually want to start with a non-food topic because I think for the for the rest of us here who are in the same team, this might be quite an interesting way to start. Um, so we're going to start with the gambling and I guess the violent gaming space, but maybe gaming in general. Um, why are these categories, these things given such a bad press? Because parents just don't understand, in short. No, um, I think that it really did start uh, when... Uh, you know, video games became more realistic and then they became, as a result, with, you know, their wanting to be action in these video games, they turned a little violent, started all the way back with Mortal Kombat and, you know, you could rip somebody's head out from their spine and everyone was like, ah, this is going to ruin America's youth. Um, But, you know, I think that there was a lot of pressure put on video games in particular because people didn't understand what it was like to actually play them. They, you see, you know, highlights and clips of things that could be perceived as horrifying, but for the people that are playing them, it's just, you know, part of 
the overall entertainment and the experience. It's it's interesting to see how, you know, kind of outside perceptions of video games have shaped what the video game world looks like without actually talking to the people that are playing those games. Uh, and then from the gambling side, again, it's these stories of losing all your money in Las Vegas. And it's all this sort of negative press that comes from people that see the bad sides because the bad sides make a lot of, they make good headlines. Uh, If I'm going to be frank, I mean, obviously there are some bad signs, but uh, you know, people are at least in the U S they gamble uh, much more to have fun than they do to actually try to make money. It's almost seen as, uh, you know, paying a ticket for a movie or something like that. You- and consumers get that. They, they understand, they, they actually know that, they're, that they are gambling. Like they say, I'm gambling fun, I know I'm going to lose. Yeah, uh, at least in the US, consumers are five times as likely to say they play or they gamble for fun than they are for profit. So exclusively. And, you know, the profit could be a fun little aside, but I think that especially for that industry, there are certainly some people that, you know, get sucked into the rabbit hole of, well, if I just do this one more time, but I think that for the most part, it's seen as a source of entertainment more than a potential for revenue generation. So there are quite some quite nice links. You just said there are going to be some that get get addicted and play once more. And that actually... That moves us really nicely into the other guys. I don't know if Marcy, you want to jump in around the same thing, this idea of chocolate. Is it bad? And it gets that bad press because it's, you know, what the calories, the sugar that we have. Well, chocolate has actually tried to put itself into the good press with all the antioxidants and other benefits that have been found in chocolate. But yes, chocolate as your major food source would not be good for you. Chocolate as an indulgence and something you eat every once in a while is probably no worse for you than playing the occasional video game. It's just something you do for fun and pleasure. It doesn't mean that you are addicted to it. It doesn't mean that you are bad for doing it. A lot of people will actually cut back on the amount of chocolate they're eating in order to stay healthier. And in fact, they'd much rather have a full chocolate experience, even if it's only a small bite, than a transformed experience where they've taken out all the things that you look forward to, like the fat and the sugar and all that sort of stuff. They'd much rather have a full head-on chocolate small experience. So does that make them addictive? Does that make them chocolate addicts? Does that mean chocolate's bad for you? Of course, chocolate and moderation are the way you have to look at it, similarly to what John said about um, gaming and moderation. Yeah, I think there's a lot of moralizing about, you know, what's good and bad. And anything that is seen as is unhealthy um, is, you know, seen as particularly sinful. I think anything that's seen as um, a bit too escapist as well is seen as quite, quite simple. Um, so I think with, with alcohol, that falls into that category. Um, there's also, you know, a behavioral issue with alcohol that it can make certain people behave a bit more aggressively. But I think, you know, are they bad? Well, yeah, I mean, alcohol is a toxin. It's not ever going to be good for you. Um, but I think a lot of people would tell you that the joy and the escape and the sense of uh, community 
that they get through drinking is probably just so if, if not more healthy certainly for their mental health than you know the, the, the badness in terms of, of having toxins in, in your system I want to challenge you on each of these, this moderation topic, because at the moment, and you can, you can fight me if you like, we have a problem where in each case, we've got arguments throughout, especially lockdown, that kids have, because they've stayed inside, they've basically just played game. They've, ga- they've gamed all hours. They've not been at school, many of them. You've had people saying they've eaten more sweet treats than ever in some markets because of this last period. And we've got obesity crises um, being announced throughout the world. We've got, in some cases, whether they're eating off, they're not eating in restaurants and food service, they might be drinking or more at home. Um, and therefore, the alcohol consumption at home in some cases has gone up. You might correct me. Um, but what I'm saying is here that actually consumers don't know what moderation is and actually they've gone too far in most cases they think it's okay to have some of this stuff but i just want to challenge you on that because i think consumers have lost control in some cases well i can i i'll start there um consumers have lost control of their entire life through, during covid 19 no one has any control that's that's an aside to that comment um as for sweet treats and obesity and all that sort of stuff obesity is linked to in part, too much sugar. But the too much sugar isn't necessarily coming from the occasional sweet treat. It's coming from a lot of other categories like um, carbonated beverages, which are absolutely loaded with sugar. Um, I think that they may be eating more sweet treats in some markets, and you may have the data to back that up, Ed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where the obesity is coming from. It's, It's not cause and effect just because you eat a couple more pieces of chocolate. That's not why you've suddenly gotten as big as the Eiffel Tower. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot more that contributes to it than just sweet treats. And I still hold out the fact that sweet treats help with your mental health and making you feel good about yourself and making you feel comfortable in what is an especially bizarre time. I also think, you know, people want to lose control. I think it's quite healthy to lose control. Obviously, if you lose too much control, that's not a good thing. But our, our society kind of demands control and it's very pressurized. So I think a lot of people look to vices as just a way to just get rid of that. And I think that there's fundamentally something very, very healthy about doing that, you know, as long as you don't do it too much. And if you look in terms of uh, alcohol, if you look at drugs, humans and all human societies have consumed alcohol and, and drugs for thousands and thousands of years this is very much part of the human condition to, to need to do this yeah there's a there's a certain element of catharsis you know to johnny's points and i think that that sort of emotional release is important for people when they are cooped up in the way that we all feel sometimes whether that is you know betting on a team to win and they win or whether that is just completing a level in candy crush there's something about that sort of success and release even if it's you know momentary that can be i think helpful for people in the long run i mean not to bring it to too dark of a place but it gives people hope and it gives people, you know, a little bit of a glimmer of joy in times when they don't necessarily, you know, see what's going to be, you know, a month ahead, let alone, you know, five minutes ahead. 
Yeah, just to add on to John's point, and I agree with everything that, that you said, um, I think what, what's really interesting is that during lockdown, apart from markets like uh, UK and US, what we've seen around the world is that most consumers have actually been drinking less alcohol than they were before. And I think, I think that's really, really interesting because you'd think the one time that you'd want to reach for a glass of whiskey would be uh, while you're, you're locked down and you're, you're desperately in need for, for some kind of catharsis and, and escapism. So I think what, what that tells me is that your point that you made about you know people having lost control is actually not true because you know people are actually they are very conscious of their health and and increasingly over the last few years they, they thought you know maybe i am drinking a bit too much so you know I, I would argue that people are are in more more control than you know you would necessarily um think so we've talked about control we've talked about moderation we got we touched on community um, Johnny referenced it a second ago, but I reckon with gaming and gambling, maybe more gaming, community has been one of the most wonderful things that's come out of this industry, you could call it. It's arguably, yeah, one of the greatest things that is you know, true about video gaming is that it brings people together through this common interest and it allows their passions to run rampant and be reinforced in places that people didn't necessarily feel welcome. I mean, a lot has changed in the last, you know, 20 years, just in terms of pop culture, where now nerd culture is pop culture and passions are, you know, reinforced and people can sort of find their tribe wherever that may be. And a lot of that has come, you know, through the rise of online communities, whereas, you know, if only, you know, one person played Magic the Gathering in their high school, they would feel like an outcast. But now that, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of fans of Magic the Gathering that you can find online, that makes it feel much more welcoming. It's really boosted people's self-esteem and it has created some sort of, you know, harmony because everyone's a little bit weird and we all know that. And at least we have a little bit of a better idea of that now than we might have a couple decades ago. And Ed, you've done a lot of work on social isolation mm. and what a big problem that is in modern society, um, particularly in the digital era as well. And it's a massive problem in terms of, of mental health, particularly amongst the younger generation and the, and the Gen Zs. And I think you know, things like gaming, but also things like alcohol, you know, alcohol is fantastically socially cohesive in terms of giving people a reason to get together and being uh, something that, that they can bond over um, and you know I, I know that I probably wouldn't have met my wife w without alcohol so you know it's a really important social lubricant if you like particularly in the UK where we, we tend to you know lack a certain amount of um, uh, it would certainly be a bit more, more reserved as a culture I found out my wife liked me because of alcohol and I wasn't the one drinking exactly she's going to kill me for saying that on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> but it is true um, so into community um now, before we get on to some of the, I guess, some of the cool brand stories, um, where did, in any of these trends, there is obviously an extreme. And what, before we talk about brands, what roles do brands need to play um, to just kind of sort out some of the extremes of each of these vices? Do they have a role to play? Um, Marcy, you started talking about each of these extremes. That it's been an ancient thing that we've been talking about, um, the, the vices and what they are. But 
what do brands need to do to sort to manage it well going back to your extremes i mean of course vices have been around forever since uh forever forever dante talked about his seven vices and that included gluttony so that means that um overeating and over drinking are two extremes and two vices that we have to be cautious of so brands if they're trying to help reduce our dependence or our overeating and over drinking make it easy for us to have access to less which sounds very strange it doesn't mean it has to cost less or be less it just has to be in a smaller package and that's something we talk about a lot is that one thing that's come up a lot in surveys we do on chocolate where consumers especially in the uk and the us would say i would rather have a small piece of a full fat full sugar chocolate than a huge amount of bad tasting stuff so that's one way to cut back on this set of sense of gluttony is by making it special but small, delicious. And um, you could say perhaps addictive because it's so good, but you're only eating a very small amount. So it's balancing um, the amount of something and the quality of something. It's, it's interesting as well. Um, there was, uh, I don't want to kind of rush too, too quickly into the brand examples, mm. but um, I thought it was a really interesting campaign by, um, by Heineken um, Beer where they um, essentially had a, a campaign for their 0.0% lager where they used James Bond and, and you associate James Bond, you know, with, uh, with quite strong cocktails and martinis and, you know, suddenly he was fronting this this campaign for, for non-alcoholic beer. And I just thought that was really responsible in terms of, you know, saying that it, it's, it's now cool to be, to be moderate and, right. uh, and really trying to change that narrative. You got any other stories? I think it's a good, it's a good shoe-in. Where any other stories on uh, from from your other industries, um, John and Marcia? John, you want to go first where they've balanced that. There is a bad press and how have they balanced that out with actually there are some great tickets that come out of it. Yeah, I think some categories especially uh, work well with the gaming world in terms of, you know, the competition and the adrenaline. I mean, that's why we see a lot of energy drinks and uh, candies and kind of quick hits going into um, the video game world because there's lots of little bits of energy boost that you can get from some of these categories that Marcia and Johnny cover. Uh, But a lot of the new opportunities that we've seen have kind of come from games that sort of break that perception of, you know, everyone's just going to be shooting each other for however long, because video games aren't just that anymore. So a game like Animal Crossing New Horizons, which came out earlier this year, which came out in March, uh, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic, and was, you know, treated as, you know, this kind of hammock on uh, for, you know, life's garbage fire uh, <laughs> that we were all kind of experiencing uh, a few months ago and, because it's a game where you just kind of live on an island and there's nothing really violent or bad about it. You're just interacting and bartering and digging and exploring. And so we saw a lot of brands that were working uh, within that game, um, you know, and the it's anything from, you know, food and drink brands to something like sports teams. Uh, one of my favorite examples that I saw was, uh, you know, the Detroit Lions, an NFL team here in the U.S., announced their uh, upcoming season, their schedule of who they were playing through Animal Crossing. And so 
it was it was very playful and you know you had uh you know people hitting uh you know a person with a cheese head on uh, the head with a you know a goofy little hammer and it's like oh this is when we're playing the green bay packers it's something like that that really plays against the stereotypes of what gaming can be i think that sort of elevates some of these new entry brands uh by you know recognizing that this is something that people regularly interact with but doesn't necessarily encourage the things that can make it feel dangerous to people from the outside i love that in uh, in chocolate one thing that we have seen for quite a while was the sense that you can reward yourself with a little bit of pleasure. You don't have to have a ginormous amount of chocolate. Uh, Lint, Lint Lindor Truffle Balls was the first, probably about the first premium chocolate company to do this, where in the U.S. at the checkout line, there would be these little Lint chocolate truffle balls, three for a dollar, three of them for a dollar. And the whole um, premise was you've survived grocery shopping, you deserve a little reward. It doesn't mean you're going to stop and buy a huge bar of chocolate. All you need is this one little delicious truffle ball. And, and that kind of permeated the advertising for quite a while. A lot of brands, um, Dove did it as well. Um, one little piece of an exquisite chocolate was self-rewarding enough that it did not become an addiction. It was something special and discreet. It was just one little thing. Uh, Godiva is doing it right now. They've got a new chocolate bar that is in the, what looks like a regular tablet are four individually wrapped tablets. If you imagine a Kit Kat, the, the shape of those four Kit Kat bars, those four Kit Kat batons, each one of those in the Godiva bar is again subdivided into squares. So you have complete control over your addiction, your demand for chocolate, your um, desire for just a little bit of something to reward yourself, something good. So that's, um, that's a, to me, a perfect brand example of balancing what could potentially be an addiction, I'm going to eat the whole bar, to just rewarding myself and making myself feel good. I'm going to have one square. I'd like to talk about a slightly different example, um, but I find it really, really interesting of an alcohol brand which really plays on that whole rebellion of, of drinking. And um, there's a Scottish uh, craft brewer called, called Brewdog, who in 2009 launched a, a really, really strong beer. So it was 18% ABV, or in, in the US, it's 36% proof. It's a really, really strong beer. And it got a complaint from one member of the public who complained to the, um, the advertising association or the, the, the regulators and said, you know, this is this is really um, irresponsible, you know, and this 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 product should be pulled. And it turned out that the complainant was the founder of Brewdog, who had complained about his own beer. And the reason he'd done that was to create a firestorm of publicity. And in the end, the beer got pulled. And um, then a couple of years later, Brewdog launched a 1.1% ABV beer by the name of Nanny State. So I just thought it was a really really interesting example of just messing around with that whole concept of, of rebellion and, and, and government intervention. Talk about bad boys. My goodness. But they, they really are. They're the bad boys of beer, yeah. That's brilliant. Um, they've done a they've done an alcohol free then they've gone completely alcohol free haven't they yeah Nanny State is now so we started life off as a 1.1% but it's now they're um, they're a very well regarded uh, non-alcoholic beer brilliant so we've covered lots of lovely things we've covered community we've covered moderation we've covered moments of pleasure Um, we've gone into how 
we've changed, I guess, certain cultures. What I loved is getting into from nerd culture, mixing with jock culture, see my Americanisms, um, <laughs> to launch a, an American football team on a game. Like you would never have heard of that 15 years ago on, you know, American high school television would never have seen that. So there's lots of positives, but we've got to finish by talking about all the the bad things. I know we can't say this in America, but in the UK, the naughty things that we do. I know you dreaded me you saying can it. See it, it just it, yeah. it, it, <laughs> but you just so it, when John you says can't it, say it, but just don't say John, it. John blushes. Um, <laughs> so each of you must have vices. I will. I'll let you wait to hear one of mine because I keep getting in trouble for it at the moment. But um, if you want to go back in the same order that we introduced, um, what are your vices? For me, it's terrible movies. Um, They will (laughs) always be uh, my, I would say guilty pleasure, but it's not. I am flaunted proudly. Um, Anything, uh, for example, the movie The Room it yes. is a movie I have seen more than probably any other movie. I've seen it about 50 times. Uh, and it is something I always go back to. Uh, it's, it brings me such joy as, you know, any sort of, any sort of schlock is, you know, brings a tear to my eye. I love it. I've seen The Room. <laughs> the best. Uh, once. Never again. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with you more. <laughs> Before these two come to blows, um, I, can, I can I can add in my my vice. I I say this with a certain amount of pride, no, and shame. Um, it's following the antics of the royal family, and poor Johnny knows about this. But I am addicted to Harry and Meghan and Kate and Will. Wow! So I admit it here. Wow. I think okay. my voice is Paul from. Sorry. <laughs> Ed looks so shocked. I think he's just horrified. You're an archaeologist and an ancient so, historian, and, and. Yeah. And, okay. Everyone has their vices. This is history. Archaeologist, ancient historian, mother of two, owner of a dog, and I like to follow the royal family. You want to make something of it? You, you, you say history <laughs> happening, we say tit tat. <laughs> What's your vice, Johnny? My vice, um, apart from the fact that I accidentally let my son play violent video games uh, during work Christmas parties, it can be summed up in two words, Jaffa Cakes. Um, I have been consuming Jaffa Cakes, a uh, popular UK biscuit, at a rate of knots since lockdown started. I can't stop. I need help. There is very little moderation in terms of Jaffa Cakes in my life at the moment. I'm going to have to do an intervention. I think I think you'll need. John to. doesn't know what Jaffa cake is, does he? I know I have no idea what a Jaffa cake John, is. I'm going to say well, I would send you Jaffa cake, but I don't want to start a horrible addiction. Yours are good. It's so. true. Describe a Jaffa cake. You've got to describe your vice quickly. A Jaffa cake is a, a beautifully sort of a combination of, of crispy biscuit and and this kind of jelly chocolate, which is just delicious. I don't know if you noticed, but I leaned in a little bit more <laughs> as, you, as you said that. Um, so I've got advice. I keep getting told off about it at the moment. I'm playing a, a mobile game. Um, it's called Raid Shadow Legends. And it is a game where you build a load of different champion characters, fantasy characters with swords and magic and all sorts of things. And you just beat levels and grind through levels to make your champions better. I'm part of a clan. 
and um, I'm trying to just get you know be a, like a end gamer to get to the end and be really really good um, at all the different levels and, and and get new champions and so on. The reason I'm getting trouble is because it has a, like an auto mode. You can basically let it play by itself when you want to grind, and apparently it's on. <laughs> most of the like evenings because I'm working in the day and I play in the evening and I, I keep getting told off and my wife keeps saying this game is always on turn it off so that's 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 my current vice um, be, be honest Ed do you eat hummus while you play it yes yeah. and probably that's his addiction and, and, I, and Lindor balls as well I'm a big fan yeah. of talking about those it's all coming out now oh yeah yeah we're going to know all about you all your vices all the vices this was a, a vice filled um, pod with some lovely positive things. So I want each of you to name the one thing that you think is great about each vice. One word. John? Community. Marcia? Security. Johnny? Catharsis. Alice. And uh, I, I guess my one is um, happiness as a way to finish. Because that's the aim of each of them. It's a terrible way to end it, isn't it? Um, look, um, firstly, thank you very much to all of you. Uh, this is actually, we're, we're, I think this is going to be one of the last few pods of Series 2 of Mintel's Little Conversation. Um, so we're going to be doing a Series 3 uh, in in the short terms. Um, so people will be waiting for that one. Um, but thank you. Um, and to our listeners, thank you for listening. Um, please subscribe, please rate, review, and find us on all the platforms that you can get podcasts from. Um, we're on uh, Apple and SoundCloud and Spotify and so on. Um, check out Mintel's website, mintel.com, if you want to find out more about us, or LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, there's always lovely webinars and other things that are each of these experts are going to be involved in regularly. Um, otherwise, um, enjoy your vices. Uh, indulge well moderate yourselves um, and have a fabulous uh, rest of the day um thank you very much for listening to mintel's little conversation mm-hmm.